The Trump administration's immigration policies have come under fire, especially since it was revealed that immigrant children were being separated from their parents at the border. Such policies have also affected immigrant and refugee communities by harming people's mental and physical health and changing the way they seek health care and other social services. I'm Stephen Morrissey, managing editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Brianne Grace, an assistant professor at the University of South Carolina College of Social Work. Dr. Grace has co-authored a perspective article on what she and her colleagues have termed the violence of uncertainty that's faced by immigrants in the United States. Dr. Grace, can you tell us what you mean by that term, the violence of uncertainty, and why you think it's important to name the insecurity you've been seeing in immigrant communities? Absolutely. I think to be clear, immigrants have always faced some degree of uncertainty. The process of migrating is itself fraught with uncertainty. But there has been a change under the Trump administration, and namely the policies around immigration for a variety of immigrant groups. So not just undocumented immigrants, but other immigrants, um, green card holders. Even now we're seeing threats that even naturalized citizens will potentially have their citizenship revoked. There is a threat to this idea, um, particularly about family. So the uncertainty is about how the Trump administration's policies are really threatening the things that are most dear to all people, that is kind of central to our humanity. So things like our family, our ability to plan for the future, our ability to be with our loved ones and have some sort of sense of normalcy in our daily life. So the Trump administration's policies have done things like, for instance, in the travel ban, by banning individuals from certain countries, as well as putting the refugee admissions on hold, what that has effectively done is, for many refugees, separated people from their family, including separating parents from young children. So their children remain within the precarious situation of a refugee camp, while the parents may be in the U.S. And so it's an uncertainty that is kind of playing out within the family systems. Other examples include mixed-status families. When parents are deported but their children are U.S. citizens, what happens to those children and how can families think about themselves as a family unit or develop some sense of family life after being deported and after having to live essentially across borders? In your article, you describe an immigrant who, despite being a U.S. citizen, fears going to the hospital because he's worried that he'll be apprehended by immigration and customs enforcement and deported. How common are stories like that? So I have two answers for you. On the research side of things, we're still in the midst of the data. We're still trying to see how this stuff is playing out. We have some indications from previous research, particularly research that followed um, policy called 287G policy, where local law enforcement officials became essentially deputized with federal immigration enforcement. And so what we saw in those scenarios is that it had a drastic impact on the ways in which immigrants sought health care and especially preventative care and care for children dropped in ways that was really problematic for immigrant families. Now, the case that we start the paper off with is different in many ways because this family has naturalized. However, I think as we've seen all of the kind of Trump era policies roll out, they do so with uncertainty, I guess. They do so in a way that causes alarm because there isn't a strong sense of what is going to happen next or who exactly it's going to impact. So, for instance, right now, as there are discussions about potentially putting U.S. citizens, people who have naturalized, putting their immigration status or now lack of status, U.S. citizenship on the line, this is real cause for concern. So for the piece that we began with, the example, 
I think it's common. It's something that I am seeing in my work, especially with refugees who do not have strong connections with medical providers. So for refugees who are seeking urgent care in particular, I think this is a growing concern. And it's even for people who have naturalized, who are afraid that if they provide any sort of information to the government, to a hospital system, to anyone, that who knows, you know, in a month or in two years, how this information might be used against them. That is definitely a growing concern. Are there any laws protecting medical facilities from being targeted by immigration officials? Or have individual hospitals established policies in that regard? So there are growing sanctuary movements, both on the city level and within individual institutions, such as hospitals and in education systems. And there is still some kind of legal gray space about how those processes will ultimately play out. And we've watched as the Trump administration has attempted to remove funds from cities in particular that have implemented sanctuary status. But my real concern is kind of the flip, is how do we understand what individual rights are? How do we understand people's ability to lead productive, happy lives with their families? Essentially, how do we understand this enactment of liberty and justice for all? And how do we understand healthcare as part of that promise, of the promise of what it means to be in America, to be free, and to experience the American dream? And so I think the sanctuary movement is really, really important. It's important because it defines spaces as safe and it provides some sort of promise that people will be protected within those spaces. But I think individual hospitals and even individual cities can't really do enough to protect people on a structural level. In other words, they're always going to be inadequate to meet the kind of policies that are being created at any given point and really inadequate to ensure a robust sense of well-being for immigrants across the country. What kinds of physical and mental health conditions have been most prominent among immigrants and refugees who actually do continue to engage with the healthcare system? That's a good question. So drawing upon the previous literature, we know that immigrants and refugees, even when they're afraid of immigration enforcement, will continue to seek health care for kind of vital needs, things like pregnancy and prenatal exams. But I think what is more troubling and what I'm, uh, my research is around refugees. And so what I'm actually seeing in my research play out is that a lot of refugees who have experienced torture in their country of origin are seeking health care because they are experiencing either the physical or mental health concerns associated with post-traumatic stress disorder. And so as they seek care, it's often extremely difficult for them to get adequate health care when they live in areas without kind of designated providers. So for instance, here in South Carolina, we have a designated survivors of torture clinic. And the physician who runs the clinic is very, very experienced in working with refugees who have experienced torture. So he's very prepared for this. But my concern is for refugees that may be in areas that don't have that sort of designated healthcare system where they may be seeking treatment from free medical providers, which are, you know, play such an important role in immigrant communities, but may be overwhelmed or inadequately prepared to deal with post-traumatic stress stemming from physical torture, especially state-sponsored physical torture. So finally, what advice would you give to physicians who are treating immigrants who may be facing all this instability in their lives? And what can physicians do to address immigrant health and safety more broadly? 
physicians, first and foremost, can establish trust with their patients. Now, I know that is perhaps the most basic recommendation that anyone can make. But I think for individual immigrants and refugees, it's vitally important for them to be able to trust that their healthcare provider is treating them with their best interest in mind. That person isn't going to divulge their information to immigration enforcement either now or in the future. But more than that, I think physicians, especially physicians that serve immigrants and refugees on a regular basis, have really unique insights into the way that the what we call the violence of uncertainty is playing out in our country right now. And I think that physicians really, especially physicians that work with immigrants, need to be at the forefront in calling for immigration reform and for sharing their stories and for sharing their perspective on the ways in which healthcare is deeply entwined with immigration policy, as well as, of course, education policy, housing policies, among other things. Physicians are uniquely situated within this current moment to really have important stories to tell about what they're seeing on a daily basis. Thank you, Dr. Grace.